You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly every Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Also on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how are you doing? I'm feeling very apologetic. Very, very, <laughs> very apologetic, but it's okay, because, you know, as we grow, as we as we get older, we can reflect upon things, we can look back on things and admit wrongdoing and mistakes and be able to confess some certain things so i I, i'm a grown man so i i can i can admit when i'm wrong so that's that's what i'm gonna have to to do today and i'm and i'm prepared for it i'm definitely prepared for it for those of you that are wondering it's about his predictions he's made uh, hopefully not not life choices (laughs) that's right now i think i mean Uh, i don't know know. no no but yeah it's it's strictly strictly about this this nba because this NBA bubble, man, like, I was over here thinking, like, man, I thought I was going to have the inside track saying stuff and, and, and knowing stuff that people wasn't even thinking was going to happen. But I, 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 get, I get it wrong every now and then. Every now and then I get it wrong. I mean, we're human after all. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like – I think we talked about this last episode, but, like, I'm so happy sports are back, but – God damn, there's just way too many sports and games to try to keep up with. Like, if you think about it, we got the NBA bubble going down, the restart, we got MLB going on, we have the MLS, and then now we also have Champions League coming back on Friday. So, I mean, there is a lot, and there's only – I only have X amount of screens in my house to watch all the games. It's tough. Also hockey. Also hockey. Got NHL going down yeah, as well. But, yeah, Champions League is coming back, and it's like – Oof. Like yeah, I said, this this just just so much. I don't think there's ever been a period in time where there's been this much sports content to talk about. Like there's there's yeah. just so much to talk about. As I would say if anything, it might be if anything, it might be winter because you got football, NBA, soccer, uh hockey. So I mean Around that winter times, we're like having it now, right now everything, in like everything, July, everything, August. Everything is all, all we need is NFL, and it's like dang, like yeah. everything is open here. So yeah, for sure. But all right, let's start off with on this day, August seventh, twenty sixteen, the Summer Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, the men's basketball tournament was going on, and man, Team USA took home the gold medal, running through the entire competition. They went undefeated through the group stage and won the gold medal. And here was their roster: they had Carmelo Anthony back when he was on the Knicks. They had Kevin Durant, who led all scores with 19 points a game, and then Paul George, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, Demarcus Cousins, 
DeAndre Jordan, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan. And, you know, you got to throw in that uh, that weird player that's always in there, Harrison Barnes, <laughs> Mr. Unrelatable. But, uh, yeah, they played Serbia in the gold medal game where Team USA beat them 96-66, to 66, yeah. which is crazy. And, actually, right now they were supposed to be playing in the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, mm-hmm. Japan which is supposed to take place from July 24th through August 9th, but coronavirus. Yeah. So, I mean, Corey, I have two questions for you. First of all, what were your expectations initially about this team with, you know, you look at this roster, there's no LeBron, there's no Steph Curry after he just won unanimous MVP, no Westbrook, no Harden, no Kawhi, no Anthony Davis, no Blake Griffin, no CP3. I mean, what were your expectations for this team before? It's always gold or bust with Team USA. As far as when they have top-tier talent, as far as NBA talent, I think it's always gold or bust for me. Um, uh, even though you look at this this team and it's kind of a weird team, like you said, doesn't have like a, a player like a LeBron or or uh, or a Kawhi or you know AD or anything like that, but. I think the thing about this team that is, I think, so memorable was just how they went after on the defensive end. I mean, you got some notable defensive guys in there. Like, at the time, DeAndre Jordan was one of the best defensive big men in the league. Kyle Lowry's a really, really good defensive guard. Jimmy Butler's also a good two-way player. Klay Thompson, good two-way player. Draymond Green. And then KD, I mean, we, I mean at, that time, at that time, you know, he was starting to really blossom – into that uh, good two-way player because, you know, we so so many times people talk about how lethal and how deadly and how one of the greatest, if not the greatest scorer of all time, Kevin Durant is as far as uh, his uh, his offense. But people a lot of times sleep on the fact that this man is really versatile on the defensive end and he can be a shot blocker for you and rim protector for you. He also uh, knows how to keep you know, guards in front of him. He moves, you know, very well laterally. And so I, I just felt like this team had a lot of good two-way players. Also Paul George in there as well. Can't forget about him. And then they also had the the freedom and the capability of having flair guys like uh, Kyrie Irvin who can light you up. Um, DeMarcus Cousins can also light you up. And then, of course, you can't forget Mr. Olympic himself, Carmelo Anthony. That dude, when it comes to the Olympics, there might not be – there possibly might not be anybody as far as modern-day NBA stars go that is just good at getting a bucket in the Olympics than Carmelo Anthony. He he just knows where to get to. And it's like everybody always wondered, like, if, if Carmelo could just translate this sort of Carmelo that he – you know, that this this sort of play that he has in the Olympics into the NBA, maybe we could have saw him go in deeper into the playoffs. You know, maybe he could have led the Knicks on a deeper run or, you know, whatever the case may be. Maybe he could have done something with the Nuggets, whatever the case may be. But, I mean, Melo just – he just knows how to turn up when it comes to playing the Olympics. And I think this team overall had a nice had a nice balance and it was very well constructed despite, the, you know, like you said, no LeBron, no Curry, and uh, no Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Melo, just put, give that man a hoodie. Allow him to wear a hoodie on court, Buckets. and he will go off. Hoodie Melo. Um, next question I got for you, though. What was your most memorable Team USA moment for you all time? 
uh, it has to be Vince Carter. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's probably when it comes to mind, like when I think Team USA basketball, there's two things that I think of. I think of Tim, uh, think of Vince Carter uh, in that just crazy, unbelievable posterizing dunk. Uh, and I think Frederick of... Weiss, <laughs> this guy was seven two, and he, yeah. he is like you. You hear a lot of things like, "Oh, he got dunked on, he got dunked on," but you don't hear it dunked over. Like he yeah. got dunked he over, got cleared. Like VC man, like VC just knew how to just rise over people, and that was not. I don't want to say like you know, uh, uh, putting him on the map, but like on a worldwide, you know, stage mm-hmm. that made him. That made I think that was one of the shining moments of his career uh as a basketball player definitely but also uh the other moments that i think of and i and i put them in the same category is uh the dream team uh you know having all the nba players all the stars coming together you know like some you know michael jordan Magic johnson larry bird uh you know patrick ewing uh you know the list goes on and on and on and they're all coming together to 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 go and win the gold. And then I also think of that team that you know failed in two thousand. I think I think believe it was two thousand four. Uh, so those those are the the, the moments that kind of highlight for me. But obviously, number one always is going to be Vince Carter just dunking. Yeah, cool. Vince Carter is up there <laughs> for me too. But memorable moments, I would say the dream team if I was born and I could understand NBA <laughs> then, but I could it. Right, um, right, right. But I would have to say uh, the Vince Carter one, but also the 2012 U.S. men's team. I mean, that team was loaded. They were literally calling it like a, like the modern-day dream team, you know, with KD, Kobe. with Melo, with LeBron James, with Kobe, with Kevin Love, CP3. And, I mean, this team beat a stacked Spain team in the in the gold medal game. I mean, they had the Gasol brothers. They had Sergi Baca, Rudy Fernandez, Jose Calderon, which, I mean, that that's why I'm, I just – I could literally, if I'm having a bad day, I could just pull up those highlights on YouTube and just watch that For 2012 sure. team just, like, go off against all these international teams as if there was, like, no competition. There was, like, them playing a G League team, basically. I, I remember the scrimmage they had against, I want to say Brazil. I think uh, President Obama was sitting courtside, and they just put on a show. Like, they yeah. killed Brazil in, like, the first few minutes. And it's just, like especially the way that they just like passed the ball and it was like watching like the globe trotters or something like these guys were just like in like a layup line doing like a drill in game just to set guys up for lobs throwing full court lobs half court lobs you know just trying to put literally just put on a show and you know see who could have the better highlight at the end of the game it literally turned into an all-star game it really would because yeah. it, it was it would be over at halftime. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the nitty gritty. We have a lot, a lot of NBA to talk about with about a week into the NBA restart. And uh, most teams have already played half their eight seeding games and a consistent report of zero positive COVID-19 tests. That's what we love to hear in the bubble. Let's talk about some of the things we've seen from each team and who are some of the most surprising and disappointing teams. Let's start off with the West. I mean, we'll go from top seed to lowest seed. Uh, The West, I mean, the Lakers locked up the number one seed for the first time since 2013. Actually, sorry, this was their first time making the playoffs since 2013 where they made it as a seven seed and they got swept by the Spurs. But I mean, boy, 
Laker fans came a long way, seven long years before they finally made the playoffs. Yeah, I was seeing a a picture of uh, some notable meme uh, of, of, of it, it was pretty much saying like, um, how loyal are you? It was like, uh, I was there watching Ryan Kelly, Wayne Ellington, Robert Sacre, uh, Robert Sacre, like when the Lakers were super bad, like, yeah. like not even, not even watch Jordan Clarkson too. I'm sorry, not Jordan Clark, Jordan Hill, Jordan Hill. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah. That was, that was a very un, unfun Laker team. Yeah. I mean, not even comparable I mean, to this Laker team. I mean, New York, New York Knicks fans would be uh, probably still, being like, stop complaining. At least you guys are in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't for know sure, when the last time sure. we had our quote unquote glory days, but um, That's yeah, this Laker true. teams, this Laker team, LeBron and AD have to be the best duo in the NBA this season. I think hands down, given what they've done just this season. I agree um, with that. I mean, LeBron, twenty five points per game, eight rebounds, and then ten Leading assists. Leading the league in assists. Yep. Yep. At thirty five years old, insane, and then Anthony Davis with twenty six points, ten rebounds, and two almost two and a half blocks per game. But I mean, so far in this bubble, they have been struggling in a big way. They're two and three right now, losing to the Thunder, the Raptors, and the Rockets. And get this, they have the worst offensive rating, the mm-hmm. fewest points per game, the mm-hmm. lowest field goal percentage, and the lowest three point field goal percentage out of any team in the bubble. And let that sink in. There's teams like the Wizards, the Nets, and the Kings. And the Lakers are worse than all of them. And LeBron didn't start or against the Rockets Thursday night due to a strain growing. But, I mean, given these stats, Corey, how concerned are you about the Lakers heading into the playoffs? Just to piggyback off of you, uh, they're 2-3 and three right now. No Avery Bradley, no Rajon Rondo. 23% shooting from beyond the arc negative 40 point uh differential and so far they've lost to a contending team in the raptors they lost in a playoff team in the thunder and another playoff team in the rockets and their only notable win was the first game they had against the clippers which, which is that a, is that really a is win not really even something that you can even really highlight as a positive for the Lakers because the Clippers weren't even themselves at full strength. But to give the Lakers a little bit of slack, LeBron didn't really even feature in this game against the Rockets most recently. And then AD is still recovering from an injury. And then also they are at this point in time, I believe still trying to figure out their lineups and the talent that they have at their disposal and how deep they're trying to go. Because we've seen uh, in this most recent game against the Rockets, especially we've seen a lot of minutes given to the likes of Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith. And I think that Frank Vogel is trying to see who he has to fill in the shoes of Avery Bradley because Danny Green can't play 40 minutes. He can't, I don't even expect Danny Green to go above 30 minutes. So I think that a lot of depth is going to have to be utilized with the Lakers, but in the playoffs, you mostly see teams only go about seven, eight guys deep as far as rotation. Eight is even pushing it. So um, I would expect them to be heavily reliant on LeBron, heavily reliant on AD. And I think the concerns are obviously there. 
the biggest concern is if they get matched up against a team like the Portland Trailblazers, a team that can just shoot lights out, has a very troubling duo at, at uh, the guard position and Dane Lillard and CJ McCollum and the Lakers really don't fare well as far as you compare their guard play to the Trailblazers guard play. And it's obviously no contest, but at the same time, I would say that they need to definitely avoid a team that can get hot from three, which ain't really saying a whole lot because that's pretty much the modern day NBA is <laughs> every team knows how to light you up from three from beyond the arc. But I think that uh, the biggest thing is they're going to have – if they're going to be a legitimate championship-winning team, and this is a knock, and uh, this has really been a knock against uh, LeBron teams of past years, uh, is just on the defensive side of the ball, they haven't always been up to snuff. And it's not like it's, oh, uh, just a regular season thing, but – it's for the most part throughout the entire season. But with the Lakers, I will say up until we've gotten into the bubble, they were one of the most uh, feared teams on the defensive side of the ball. It's just perimeter wise. They kind of struggle to guard the perimeter. So they need to really tighten up the defense and just make sure that they're closing out on shooters. And I wouldn't be too worried about the shooting woes because I think that they're going to rely heavily on LeBron and AD um in the postseason so realistically um LeBron I don't think takes too many three-pointers uh uh, throughout the game I mean yeah he'll hit he'll hit he'll hit beyond the arc when he needs to and he'll step out when he needs to but like I said he he's gonna be I think full pedal to the metal and determined and the excuses are pretty much off I'm off of like giving excuses I mean I understand Injuries, big part last year as to why the Lakers obviously didn't make the playoffs. And obviously with no LeBron, they were always going to be in trouble. But now LeBron has been, for the most part, healthy as you can possibly have him. And you've had a ton of rest, a ton of time off. And you're getting these, you know, playing games, these, you know, eight games or so to get the chemistry right and to figure things out. I don't care if they're playing a team like the Trailblazers. I don't care if they're playing the Mavericks. I don't care who they play in the first round. They got to get the job done. It's that point. It's that simple. And so I I think that everybody wants to talk about their struggles and how worried you are. I don't think that they should be concerned about who the matchup is per se. They need to just focus on what they're doing on their end and take care of business. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do agree that the rotations are going to be shorter and it's heavily going to be relying on LeBron and AD. But I mean, if you take those two out of the equation, their role players have not been playing up to par. And that is going to be a main, main thing for the Lakers. Even if you have an eight man rotation, I mean, you look at Danny green, I feel like he's been missing ever since the NBA restart has happened. I mean, if you look at his plus minus, he has a plus minus rating of minus 47 in five games that the Lakers have played. And this guy was supposed to be their quote unquote X factor for this team along with Kuzma. I mean, this guy is literally the best support player you could have besides LeBron James, a three and D player, but he's been struggling. Kuzma's such a wild card with he's so hot and cold. And then, I mean, the biggest thing, and I've been saying this ever since he went down, but I think that Rondo is one of the biggest 
role players for this Lakers team. I mean, you take LeBron off that court, who's going to handle the ball? And you saw that clearly against the Rockets on Thursday when no LeBron, I mean, there was really hard. You were trying to run it through Kuzma. You were trying to run it through AD. You were trying to run it through, through who else? Through, through Quinn Cook most of the time. Like that's not going to work. You need a guy who has been in the playoffs, has playoff experience like Rondo and who's at want to NBA finals and knows what it takes. So, Having Rondo back is going to help them a lot, but also their role players need to step up in a big way. KCP, uh, I don't think J.R. Smith's going to get that many minutes. He's more there just as like a backup player. But I mean, if Dion Waiters, I've, I've personally liked what I've seen from Dion Waiters, but I don't think he's going to have the ball in his hands as much in the playoffs as, right. as, he, has right, in, as right. he has right now. So. I mean, for me, it's not really LeBron because even LeBron hasn't been playing that well either, and it's not AD. What it is is it's these role players around them that need to get their shit together. And, you know, when the double teams start coming to LeBron and AD, they're going to kick it out. Someone's got to make the shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I agree. I agree. Like when you uh, mentioned about, like, Kuzma being a wild card, um, I said since he got – in the league and he joined the Lakers from summer league in his first rookie season up until now, this dude has such a nice solid offensive game, but he can't guard water. I mean, this dude cannot play a lick of, I will say, I will say though that these last two games that I've seen from the Lakers and even uh, actually I would say since the, the NBA restarted, he has stepped it up big time on the defensive end. I mean, obviously not up to par is what you would want in a role player, but he has stepped it up in a big way. I mean, he's he's he was put on the assignment of Kawhi at certain times. He was put on the assignment of yeah, Harden. James Harden yeah. sometimes. So, I mean, it's not terrible, but, I mean, it's definitely trending towards the right direction. But that offense, it's like you need that third option. <laughs> but And he's supposed to be yeah. that third option on offense, so. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, like his his numbers can go up and down. If he's just such a rhythm a, a rhythm sort of player where he needs to heat up and he needs to be like on like just catch fire. And then when he catches fire, sometimes it feels like he just can't miss. So, but I think uh my always my biggest criticism of him has just been on the defensive side of the ball because the 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 other guys that were a part of the Lakers young core at one point, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. The reason that I was so hesitant to trade them was because they weren't as bad defensively as Kuzma was. And especially Lonzo, the best defender out of all three of them. I was like, just like, okay, I get like, you know, everybody loves Kuzma's offense, but I'm like, dang, if he had Lonzo's defense, I'm like, man. But I mean, I also, dude, I also didn't think thing. that they expected Avery Bradley to not be there with them right now. And Avery Bradley true. takes away a very big true. That's why that. they brought that's why they that's why they signed Avery yeah. Bradley. All right, but let's move on. We got the number two and the number three seed. The Nuggets only a game and a half behind the Clippers for the number two seed. And the Nuggets and Clippers, I mean, right now they're kind of on a on a roller coaster. Both teams are missing key players. The Nuggets are missing Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Paul Millsap, who haven't been playing. And then the Clippers are moving Montrez Harrell, who still isn't even at the bubble. And the two teams play each other on August 12th, which I think is going to be a very, very big game to determine who grabs that second seed. And 
I mean, let, let's talk about your predictions of who's going to get that second seed, Corey. So I went and I sticking with the Clippers. Um, I predicted that they would get the second seed, and I'm sticking with that. I, I feel that um, even when you look at the losses that they've had, they've been in every single one of these games, and they've been nail biters. So if you think about if they were at full strength, maybe they pull ahead. So, I mean, that first game, wire-to-wire game, could have gone either way. So I, I look at it that way. Uh, and the other loss that they had against the Suns, that, that game I felt like the Clippers could have easily have, have won that game if they were at full strength. But, you know, that, that's, that's just something that you kind of have to deal with at this point. But um, the Nuggets, I, 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 it's hard for me to get a good read with them. Obviously, like you said, they're missing players as well. But I, I just look at full strength versus full strength. I, I have to go with the Clippers uh, versus the Nuggets. And I think that even though Kawhi is struggling and, you know, he's trying to figure himself out at this point and trying to, you know, rediscover his his rhythm and his form uh, prior to coming into the bubble, I think that um, the Clippers are, are still have a solid foundation and a more uh, reliable foundation that i feel more comfortable with hopefully barring any you know injuries to any key players um than i feel with the nuggets yeah i mean i'll start off with the nuggets first i mean these guys have had some new names step up in a big way in absence i mean first off you want to talk about michael porter jr this guy's averaging 26 a game and 10 rebounds in the bubble so far and i I keep shooting myself in the foot for this. The fact that the Clippers took Jerome Robinson over Michael Porter Jr. And what could have been for the Clippers? I mean, where would he, the only thing is like, where would he fit though? Like if he was on the Clippers right now, I mean, he could be that guy off the bench or he, or yeah, he could I, definitely, y'all have a lot of guys. Off or, the bench. Y'all have a lot of guys off or, the bench or worst too. case scenario is we still have Shea Gilgis Alexander. We would have traded Michael Porter or vice versa. Like, I mean, we could have got something for Michael Porter in that Paul George trade. You never know. Yeah. That could have been a really good trade. if he That's what I'm saying. But I mean, Michael Porter has been going off and then also Jeremy Grant, who they traded a first round pick to OKC for, he's been playing vital minutes for them, averaging 15 a game. And I, you said he was going to be a sleeper yeah, too. I, he is. I mean, the guy, the guy's a solid three and D player whose athletic abilities is off the chart. But I think once everyone's back healthy for the Nuggets, this team's going to give problems to other teams in the playoffs, and I think they're going to be scary years to come because this team is so young at the same time too. I mean, their star player Jokic, I think, is what 24, 25, something like that, mm-hmm. which is scary for the league. And then they got obviously. Michael Porter, they got Bobo, Jamal Murray, and Jamal Murray. Yeah, so I mean, like the team, you know, the, they have a nice little yeah. core. But um, for the for the guys. Clippers, I mean, I I have a whole long list, but I'm gonna cliff note it. <laughs> but but I mean, if they they have their shit together on offense, and what I saw in the Mavericks game especially is that that last six minutes of the Mavericks Clippers game. Paul George and Kawhi can literally flip a switch and take over a game. Just the two of them. They don't need anybody else. And even Lou Will at some points in time, he like Lou Will, as we all, even as we saw last year, like this guy was taking over games himself in the fourth quarter. He was, I think what top three in the NBA, the last two years in fourth quarter points, I think 
Yeah, it was a key reason why they were able to come back that that crazy exactly against the Warriors. Against the Warriors, but that's so. what I'm saying. It's like you have Lou Williams who's giving the ball, like not even taking a dribble, like he's literally just getting the ball and then giving it right back to them if they're stuck in a sticky situation because he knows how lethal these guys are. But I think the main thing is their defense and their chemistry. <laughs> We've been talking about this mm-hmm. all season long, how they just mm-hmm. cannot stay healthy together or just something's going on off the court where they cannot stay together. They've only played X amount of games. Like I think it's like something mm-hmm. like 12 games throughout the entire season. Or no, sorry, maybe 11 games throughout the entire season where they've had their whole team. But I mean, defensively, they looked very, very sloppy so far. I haven't seen them picked up their defense at all, especially when you add Marcus Morris to that rotation. Um, and especially even in the second unit, when you have Lou Will, when you have Shamit, like those guys come onto the off the bench. And in these games, especially when I noticed against the Mavs and the Suns, is that their offense has been amazing but their defense has been so abysmal that their offense can't keep up with how bad their defense has been. And I mean, if, if they can fix that, then I don't see how the Clippers don't go to the NBA championship. Let me ask you this though, because uh, I heard this uh, mention and I didn't want to give it like a whole lot of attention, but as, as, as the Clippers have, you know, played a few more games now, and like you said, the chemistry has kind of been off a little bit. Let me ask you this: What do you think? You think you think there's something there between, you know, Kawhi and Paul George? Maybe a potential, like, you know, I don't want to say beef. Between but... them two, definitely not, because of what I'm seeing on the court with them two, especially what I saw. Again, I always refer to the last six minutes of the Mavs game, but that's literally that last six minutes of the Mavs game is what every Clippers fan was dreaming of when they got Paul George and Kawhi. These guys were literally going duos, like just them two, everyone clear out and duo. And then Zubox set a screen. And if they crash on the Kawhi or PG, they hit Zubox for a wide open dunk. And that's literally how easy, like it sounds so easy and that's how easy it was. So the chemistry issue, definitely not, especially with their rotations on defense. I think they, I just think like it's kind of hard and maybe some people are gauging that just because Kawhi is not outspoken. So like anything he does, or in this case, doesn't do like maybe dap up someone or something like that. It's like, it's like, Oh yeah, shit, is something some... going on. But it's like, no, that's just Kawhi. Yeah. Cause like somebody said, like, uh, like go back and look at the end of the, the last, the very last possession of the Lakers game between uh, the Clippers where it's the Clippers ball and Kawhi, you know, uh, LeBron's being him up. He gives it up to Paul George. And then he's looking to get that ball right back. And he doesn't get it back. And PG, pull, you know, you know, does the pump fake and goes up. Thought he got fouled. Misses the shot, obviously. And Kawhi is looking like, yo, why did I not get that ball back, Paul? Like, yo, you got to give that ball back up to me. Because you know you're not in the game with I mean, <laughs> yeah, you could think of it that way but i i think from the games after that against the suns against the mavericks um they they definitely have been playing a lot better down the stretch where it doesn't look like give me the ball it's more like all right let's let's do this as a team together like as a duo let's let's knock out the other team but i don't it, it could be i don't think so personally i think if there's any beef it's from the role players the guys that were there last year like the lou wills the pat bevs the montrez heralds because there was i know right, right. when the regular season was rumors. going on yeah there was there were some rumors yeah, talking about how yeah. some of those guys are kind of mad with how they're not being involved as much and it's mostly been just game planned around Kawhi and pg which rightfully so but it's like some of those guys were feeling um 
you know, uneasy about that. So, and they were feeling like Kawhi was getting like a little bit more special treatment with being able to sit out with uh, load management throughout but the I season. But I mean, they have to like, expect that. Like, it's like this guy's gonna take you to the NBA Finals. He's gonna get you over that hump. Like, yeah, you know, it's all an adjusting period. It's all different it is. when the star comes into town because it's like I've been the guy. Now it's like, oh shoot, now I'm no longer the guy. Yeah. So. All right, let's move on. We got the Jazz, the Thunder, and the Rockets all within half a game of each other. We have the Rockets and the Jazz tied for fourth right now, but the Rockets have the tiebreaker, and then the Thunder is sitting a half game behind them. So let's start off with the Rockets. I mean, this team, like, three-point galore, <laughs> like, and this small ball lineup that – All that, in. This all small in, ball baby. lineup that nobody expected to work is working like crazy it's and it's working i think yes we we talk about harden we talk about russell westbrook but i think the main credit needs to go to robert covington and pj tucker what those guys have been able to do down mm. low against other bigs especially anthony davis when i was watching the lakers rockets game like robert Yo. covington first of all this guy could low-key jump out the gym he's very sneaky. Yo, he swatted the heck out of dwight he swatted the he's heck very out of sneakily dwight. Un, like underrated when it comes to his athleticism so i i think i think pj tucker like that that dude he locked up ad on this one percent yo they did a uh tnt is good at this they did like an audio assist where they just showed pj tucker's defense and he was showing out he was face guarding up on ad and he was getting all up in everybody's yeah. face coming off on the help side i'm like yo like this dude, P.J. Tucker, I mean, yeah, like, he's going up against A.D., but my criticism with that is, like, okay, if you're Anthony Davis and if you're Frank Vogel as the head coach, I get it. You're, you've got a system and you got and you, you know, want to run through the system. But if P.J. Tucker is matched up on Anthony Davis, why is Anthony Davis – why is he on the wing? Why is he even out there? Put him on the block. he's made of glass. To allow space. Because he's made of glass. I get it. I get it. I get it. He doesn't want to bang down there. And to be honest, even when he tried to bang down there, it wasn't like PJ Tucker was just That's what I'm saying. Dem- demolished. So. And it's like, if you think about it too, like the Lakers are probably the have the best big man rotation in the league with, I mean, JaVale didn't play this game, but you think about JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, AD, and the Rockets did a hell of a job against Dwight and AD. That's for damn sure. But even James Harden said this in a post-game interview. He was like, we're going to give up offensive rebounds. Like, we know that, like, 100%, just because of in our size. But if we can shoot lights out, which they've been doing, uh, and, and you know, we can play perimeter defense and, you know, somewhat, like, someone's bound to get a rebound if we just box out and do do our assignments. And that's exactly what Robert Covington and P.J. Tucker are doing. And But, but yeah, I think um, I got I to got, I got rock out with, uh, with the Rockets, man, as far as just edging out uh the jazz in the thunder and again it's no knock on the jazz in the thunder i mean you look at what the thunder have done so far and they and they've been they've been looking pretty impressive so far i think uh cp3 has been looking pretty good and them as a whole i think they 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 still look like that that team that surprised the nba um until obviously uh the shutdown and then with the Jazz, I think they kind of just look a little bit off. I know uh, Mitchell, uh, Donovan Mitchell said that, like, there's no beef between him and uh, Rudy Gobert, and, like, they squashed that, all of that. But I don't know what's going on with them, but they don't look like the same team that, you know, was – I would say 
on the rise. I would say defensively, defensively they don't look the same. Exactly. Offensively, offensively they you... still look good. My despite the fact of not having Bogdanovich, Con Mike Conley stepped up in a big way, and and I, and I wouldn't you know that that doesn't shock me at all. I mean, Mike Conley for years showed that he's a capable point guard at Memphis. It's just like. Out of all things with the Utah Defense, Jazz, you would yeah. not expect them to just fall off defensively having a defending defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert and having a team that has made head over heels their identity based off being rugged and that mm-hmm. that mean down in the dirt team that's gonna, you know, literally fight you to the death on defense. Yeah. And I mean the Jazz are fighting for the spot, but on Friday, they play the Spurs, and there's going to be no Donovan Mitchell, no Rudy Gobert, and no Mike Conley. All three of those guys are out against the Spurs. So, I mean, that definitely doesn't help their chances of trying to get the fourth no, seed. Or maybe they're trying to fall to the sixth seed, so maybe they play whoever the yeah, – Yeah, I think, matchups are yeah. Co- I think matchups are definitely playing a role here. I think matchups are definitely playing a role because at this point in time, for at least the teams that have punched in – uh, spots for the playoffs, I think they're not too heavily worried. That's why I'm like, I'm not too concerned all that much with the Lakers having their slip-ups, or I'm not too concerned all that much with the Clippers having their slip-ups, because at the end of the day, they are still figuring out their chemistry. And number two, they want to make sure they get the best matchup possible. So you don't want to just, you know, I'm not saying give games away or just, you know, openly – <laughs> just try to tank hey, it and make sure that you no, get the right no. seed. I saw so, a lot of Laker fans. You, you I saw never, a lot of Laker fans know. on some conspiracy theories saying that they lost to the Thunder so they can uh the Thunder can play the higher seed and then they're gonna beat the Rockets the next day, but then LeBron was out, so it's like I don't know how much that works. But with the Thunder, man, I I, I mean this team surprises in the regular season and they just continue to surprise us with how good they've been. I mean, their win versus the Lakers says both a lot both about the Lakers obviously but I think more so about how amazing the Thunder's chemistry is they didn't allow the Lakers to take the lead once throughout the game no they led the whole game and 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 that was the first time for the Lakers where they've never led in a game this season so that hats off to the to the Thunder but I mean their guard tandem of CP3 Shea Gillis Alexander and then Schroeder when he comes back and then Lou Dortz who's ASU I remember seeing him playing against Cal State Fullerton but uh they've been great and then Steven Adams has that dude's just rock solid down there (laughs) this guy can literally like in order to get him off the court for an injury you'd probably have to amputate his leg otherwise that guy is not coming off the court there was a gruesome fall he had against the lakers and it's like where his knee mm-hmm. bent backwards or something and the guy just got up and kept playing and then he just called for a sub and then next quarter the guy's back in the game playing like normal and then i think i think the most i think the biggest thing i've been like impressed with like steven adams is just the fact that like he's improved offensively mm-hmm. like in his post he has a I, nice I was, touch i wasn't i wasn't really like sold on him i thought like i, I was kind of like curious why they just kept on holding on to him but he's been a good he's a great glue guy as far as like locker room chemistry he he, he clearly you know doesn't cause any waves he, he he's not all that heavily concerned about getting touches or getting the ball in his hands he knows his he's a great role player because he knows what he's out there to do he's out there to bang down low get the rebound he's out there to you know, if he gets the ball, maybe try to post up or try to free open a guy on the perimeter to get an open shot or, you know, find a cutter to the rim or something like that or somebody slashed into the rim. 
and, and to bang down low and, and be a defensive presence on the opposite side of the ball. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Steven I, Adams. I think also the thing is, is once Steven Adams goes to the bench, Nerland Noel has stepped up a big way off the bench, too, as a defensive presence. Um, so, I mean, having a help off the bench like that is great. And then Gallinari in this restart, he's been showing up. I, I could honestly say the guy is a top 20 offensive player in the NBA right now. I mean, what he can do on offense, like he's very, he's just, I would say a much slower paced version of Kevin Durant. If you think about it, like the guy can get to the rim, the guy can create his own shot and he's a sharpshooter from behind the arc as well too. Like he's just a much slower pace and not as flashy as Kevin Durant. But so, I I mean, I'm not going to put him on the same pedestal as Kevin Durant, but I'm saying his play style. And then the whole thing, which I think the Thunder have been so successful is because of CP3 and what he's been able to do. CP3, we've known him for being very injury prone. But I think what CP3, he's come to realize that he is injury prone and obviously age isn't on his side anymore. He's only getting older. And I think what he's been doing is taking a backseat to the scoring and letting the younger guys, you know, score. But also at the same time, he's driving to the rim. But instead of going up with it like he normally does against against the bigs, like he'll kick it out or he'll find Steven Adams or something like that. And that's helping him longevity wise and also helping the team out as well and it's like when he needs to go in that score mode at at clutch times like he'll just do his simple mid-range like you know hezzy and then just pull up because that that's his patented and, move and then when you look at that the trade that the thunder made to acquire cp3 i thought that was i'm gonna be honest i thought that was dumb i was like i i felt like i would have wanted at the time just based off not 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 the player not the guy on the court, CP3, but the contract I thought was like, oh, my God, that's so stupid. But I was like, why not just like I, I would have preferred to have gotten more draft picks or, you know, something of that nature for for a Westbrook. But they were like, yeah, we'll take on CP3 so that the money matches up. And if you want to talk about thinking ahead and credit to the Thunder and, and credit to the that front office, because for for I don't know how Sam Pressy does it, but he just does it, man. I don't know how he's able to find these these moves or or whatever. But talk about a great mentor for mm-hmm. Shea Gillis Alexander. Talk about a guy who is learning from a future Hall of Famer and and is learning how to carry himself on and off the court and and, and just become a professional in this league. And we talk about it all the time. Young guys coming into this league, they have a you know, at least like a two, three year time period where it's like it takes some used to before you are like, OK, yeah, this is the NBA and I play in it. I, you know, I'm, I'm used to it. You know, this is my job uh, before they kind of, you know, get solidified for what type of player they are. I think Shea Gillis Alexander is a promising young prospect that the Thunder picked up in that trade with the Clippers. And if he's able to at least be maybe a third of what CP3's career is, I think the Thunder are clapping their hands and throwing a part because they're like, yo, we, we picked up a nice little point guard. If we can surround it with some uh, some other guys with these draft picks, we might all of a sudden, nice little young team yet to again. To build off of what you were very- saying, I think in when he was with the Clippers his rookie season, he was very underrated and he was a great player, but not a lot of people – unless you were a diehard basketball fan or you were a Clippers fan, not a lot of people knew how good Shea Gilgis-Alexander was. And for me, being a Clippers fan, I noticed how good he was. 
And then to see him from year one to year two take that massive leap just because he, like, I don't know what happened. It's probably because CP3 is his mentor. Like, the guy was already amazing. And in his second year at 20 years old, already being as good as he is right now. And it's not only, like, his skill set. It's his awareness. At the age of 20 years old, to have basketball IQ like him, it's, it's insane. Like, you can't teach basketball IQ. Like it's, it's no. something, it's no, something you, you just like you learn no, by you yourself can't. or you learn a part of the game or it's either you have it or you don't have it. Like we've seen players in this league who have been amazing in college, but Stars. guys who have Star been amazing in, in college, like absolute studs and then come to the NBA, they just don't have the IQ and they don't transfer over from college to the NBA. So Shea Gilders Alexander, I mean, he has that and this kid is going to be a star in the league for a long time. Let's move on to the Mavericks. We got them at the seventh seed. I mean, really, outside Luka and KP, they need help big time. Luka is balling out of his mind. And I, I, he's trying. He's doing all he, he can. Really, I mean, so. he's averaging 34 a game, 13 rebounds, and 11 assists <laughs> <laughs> since the NBA restart. He had he very, had very James Harden esque. He numbers. had a 30 point, 20 rebound, 10 assist game, and he's the youngest player yeah. to do that. And I think actually the only other player to do that since the the merger was uh, Jokic. I think I read some stat mm. like that. And uh, also, Kristaps Porzingis. I know Knicks fans are literally <laughs> shooting themselves right now because they gave up this stud of a player like. His nickname's a unicorn for a reason. <laughs> like, this guy can literally do everything, averaging 30 points and 10 rebounds right now in the bubble. Yeah, they were one of my uh, teams uh, that I kind of felt like they could be hot, hit or miss. And I wasn't sure if they were going to, you know, be able to hop up maybe into that 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 range of the, the, the Thunder, be like maybe like a six or a, or a fifth seed. But I, I feel like, you know, maybe seventh or sixth, maybe they can maybe they can eclipse one of those teams uh, that, that's above them. But it's just hard right now, like you said, like the, their team makeup is very much uh, heavily dependent on the two names that we mentioned in Luka Doncic and Christoph Porzingis. And uh, unless a third guy kind of steps into the fold and, you know, starts to to pick up the scoring, it's it's going to be very tough for them to maybe move up in the season. Well, that's normally Seth Curry for them who does that, but he hasn't been playing. Uh, and I, I think, like you said, I think the seventh spot, the seventh seed is going to be theirs. I don't see them moving up, and then obviously not, they're not going to move down. But this team, I, I believe they were the number one offensive rating team in the NBA. That just goes to show that they have this guy who's 21 years old and another guy who's 23, 24 years old and Chris Porzingis and they're doing this. But defensively, they're just so abysmal when it comes to that. And when you want to talk about clutch time, this team is the worst when it comes to clutch time, both offensively and defensively. Like these guys had two games in their bags against the Clippers and the Rockets that they should have won. That could have put them in the driver's seat to move up in the seating, but they're just clutch time I don't know what the heck happens to them. Like, it, and it's with Luca and it's with KP as well too. But I don't know what goes on. But they just cannot get it done in the clutch time. Yeah, I think it's it's it very much reminds me of uh, in the postseason with Embiid and Simmons when they were up against I think Boston. I think that was last year. Um, you kind of saw like just these weird bad mistakes and these mental. Fat- 
uh, fatigue and this these errors out of nowhere that would just cost them games uh, in the postseason that, you know, I was like, whoa, what the heck? And it kind of just speaks to that, you know, youth and that immaturity. And, you know, I think as time goes on, Luca is going to be able to, you know, get better. And it's not to say that he hasn't hit clutch shots in his career. I mean, the guy mm-hmm. has hit like some crazy, amazing shots. But it's just to say that, you know, there is a time and a place and there is, you know, a certain understanding that you have to have about you and your teammates of where you 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 got to understand, like, for the most part, not the casual fan does not pay attention to the entirety of a game. And they kind of key in on the fourth quarter and they especially key in everybody keys in on the last two minutes because those are the last few things that everybody kind of remembers of a ball game. So that's when you kind of have to step up and rise to the occasion. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We got, I think, the biggest storyline coming into the NBA bubble, the whole restart, and that was a battle for the eighth and ninth seed in the Western Conference. I mean, we have the Grizzlies, the Trailblazers, the Suns, the Spurs, the Kings, and the Pelicans, all four of these five, well, five, five of these teams are capable. I yeah, oh no, six of these teams. Oh my God, I cannot count. There's just that many. All six of these teams are literally within reaching or were in reaching distance for that eighth and ninth seed. So let's start off with the team that's in the eighth seed right now, the Grizzlies. These guys came into the bubble having a three and a half game lead uh, in front of the Trailblazers, the Spurs, the the Kings and the Pelicans. And they've gone 0-4 so far. Still holding on to that eight seed, but only by half a game now. And I mean, things are only going to get tougher because they had bad news where Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be out for the season with a meniscus tear. Yeah. And he was balling was in the bubble. He was averaging over 25 a game and averaging three and a half uh, three-pointers made per game. So what are your thoughts on the Grizzlies so far? I didn't like the Grizzlies as far as going in because as, as, I felt like they were going to experience a drop but I felt like they were going to drop off to the night because I felt like they had like one of the toughest schedules going in. And I was just thinking like, man, dude, like they didn't get done any sort of favors to get that, <laughs> to get that AC or secure that AC. But, um, but I mean, they're still holding on to it as of now, but uh, it, it only gets tougher. I mean, like you said, you know, a key player going down is, it's, it just makes it that much harder, but guys are not going to have to step up. And I think the, the biggest disappointment, if you're a Grizzlies fan, is that uh, John Morant really has kind of struggled, especially uh, against in that game against the Pelicans. He struggled. He struggled mightily. And look, it's not, you know, all on him per se, because this is a very, very young team. People need to understand this is a very young team. Um, and so I I was not too high on them, but I felt like they wouldn't like heavily fall off to the point where they would just be out of the running to still get a playoff spot. Because, you know, just for everybody who doesn't know, if they get the ninth seed, they still have a potentiality of getting uh, into the playoffs. All they got to do is beat that AC two times in a row. <laughs> which ain't going to be any easy task if they fall to that ninth seed. And, you know, they're within, you know, what is it, a game, three games? Mm-hmm. Uh, of Four the playoffs, games, I believe. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
But for the Grizzlies, man, I think that uh, they kind of just have to gut check it out. They kind of just have to roll with the punches. And they've been uh, underrated and completely kind of sold on for the majority of the season. So uh, you kind of have to just focus on who's in the locker room right now and and, and kind of just, you know, put, put on your big boy pants because nobody's feeling sorry for you and nobody right now is uh, going to take it easy on you because it only gets harder from now on. Yeah, it's going to be a tough hill to climb, especially losing, I think you, you could say, their second best player after John Morant on that team. Um, let's move on to the Trailblazers. They're a game and a half behind the Grizzlies for that eight seed, but are sitting in prime position in that ninth seed. And me and Corey, but I mean, I'm going to straight up come out. I was – I kind of knocked them out. I didn't really – have high hopes for them just because of what I thought the Grizzlies were going to do because they were finished the the season so hot. And then also with the Pelicans as well, but man, this Blazers team, they've been solid through the restart and three and one so Mm -hmm. far beat the Grizzlies almost came back down 20 to the Celtics beat the Rockets Mm -hmm. and beat the Nuggets. I mean, because of the injury in Memphis, I think they're in that driver's seat to get the eighth seed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they do still have to play the Clippers, the Sixers, the Mavs, and the Nets. So it's no easy task. But, I mean, this team, Corey. I think when you, you look at the grand scheme of things, I was looking at their schedule and all the, the tough opponents that they were having to face. But this is a team that has been to the postseason before. This is a team that has been – to the Western Conference Finals before, you know, this is a team that has a star player in Damian Lillard, a, a very nice player in CJ McCollum, and has like nice role players that just mix in and, 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 and have a solid all-around team. I guess my biggest question was just can Dane just will this team? And I mean, I know I should not be questioning it because he's done it so many different times before. But I guess I just wasn't fully uh, sold on him doing it. And I got to apologize to Dane because I said, this man better just get ready, enjoy the summer, get get ready to hop into the studio, get the album set to go because they ain't doing nothing in this bubble. I was like, whoa, oh, apologies, apologies. And it's like, let me just clarify. I do not hate Damian Lillard. I do not hate the Portland Trailblazers, but I was looking at their schedule and looking at, the, the the current state of their situation prior to everything getting underway. And I was just like, I don't like the way that this is looking. So uh, apologies. Shouldn't have doubted them. Well, well uh, uh, to piggyback on the trailblazers, first of all, I think Dame, Dame, I never questioned him. It was a supporting cast around him. I didn't know if it was going to, because McCullum, I mean, he's been hot and cold when it comes to the playoffs as well, but he's been a good Robin so far, but I think, two of the biggest names that we got to talk about is first of all, use of Nurkage. The guy has oh, yeah. come back from Posterize. a, a bowl. Yeah, he did do that. And, but he's coming back off of a gruesome injury, literally is his leg snapping. And it looks like he hasn't skipped a beat. The guy's averaging 22 a game, 12 rebounds and three blocks a game. And him and Dame still have that chemistry. That pick and roll is disgusting. And when they, if they have to go up against a team like the Lakers come playoff time, Nurkic is going to have to guard AD. And that's revenge. That's a revenge and, uh, matchup because uh, he did have to face uh, off against AD when AD was back with uh, the Pelicans 
when they got swept. Yeah, and then uh, and then when yeah. Nurkic goes to the bench, I mean, you still have Whiteside coming in too to go up against Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. So this team is is going to be scary. And then uh, the the second is, I think, the biggest part of this Blazers team is that third scoring option and that main scoring option off the bench is Gary Trent Jr. This guy has been probably one of the biggest surprise in – since the NBA restarted, he's averaging over 20 a game, shooting 63% behind the arc while making five and a half a game. I mean, this, I think this is what the Blazers needed in a big way. When you take out Dame or you take out CJ's like who, who's going to be guy, that other yeah. guy. But a lot of people thought it might be Melo when they signed him, which Melo isn't playing bad since this restarted as no. well. But Gary Trent has just been scorching hot and, and the Blazers have needed it in a big way. But Corey was mentioned the other team that we did doubt as well, and I I still kind of doubt them just a little bit, just because they had that hard hot start to the restart, but they've lost two in a row. But that's the Spurs; they're two games behind the eight seed right now, and uh, I think they still are a team to watch for. I mean, as long as Greg Popovich is still their head coach, they're still gonna do damage, <laughs> no matter who's on that team. That's just Popovich for you. But I just don't see them overtaking the Blazers or maybe the Grizzlies or maybe another team that actually have ahead of them as well, too. But go ahead and talk about the Spurs, Corey. I mean, if if you just look at if if things kind of fall into place, like if the Grizzlies like just continue to free fall and just keep losing game after game after game. I mean, Spurs are are right there because all they need to do is get the ninth seed and they could battle it out with the Portland to see who uh you know gets into the playoffs which would be a, a a fantastic matchup by the way i would love to see it but overall i think that uh yeah uh doubted the spurs um but i i, I think i think like like Kush said like with popovich i don't know how i don't know why but he just seems to be able to get the best out of players i mean you got demar DeRozan, who has awakened in the bubble. He, he's he's starting to to do big things. But I think the big story for the Spurs is Deontay Murray. Like the man got himself a fresh cut. All of a sudden, bought uh, got himself a million BC. Upgraded his player by ten overall, and now all of a sudden he's just dominating for the, the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, that's that's he point pulled, blank he simple. Pulled a, Spurs he pulled a right D'Angelo there. Russell. Simple. Got simple. his VC up. A nice little fresh cut. Yep. Got his VC up and boom, there you go. Nice little, nice new new player for the Spurs out of nowhere. But in all seriousness, though, like San Antonio uh, is 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 you want to talk about wild cards? Like that's biggest wild card of them all because it seems like for whatever reason, when it's when it's itching closer and closer to that time, that playoff time, it's like Popovich and the Spurs. They just have to pencil their name mm-hmm. in. <laughs> I think a player we don't talk about a lot ever since he left Portland is LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, we just write Absolutely. him off so much, but the guy's still one of the best bigs in the league and can hurt you in every which way. And I think in the beginning of the season, he was a little more hesitant to shoot the three ball when he can clearly shoot it, but he was hesitant. But now the fact that he's less hesitant to shoot it and he's more willing to – he, he, it's allowing to stretch the floor and allowing to spread out that defense as well and allowing guys like DeMar DeRozan. And another guy who we don't talk about a lot is Rudy Gay uh, to attack the rim as well. So Spurs, I won't be surprised, but I still don't think they're going to do it just because 
one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team right now in the bubble, the Suns. I mean, they're one of two remaining undefeated teams in the bubble, two games behind the eight seed right now. And they're my most surprising team so far. They've beaten the Wizards, the Mavs, the Clippers, and the Pacers. And Devin Booker is on a mission, averaging 28 a game, six and a half assists. And just to to add insult to injury, a nasty game winner against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard as a tear sheds down my, my eyes real quick. But, yeah, I mean, the Suns are, are, are just yeah. – they're hooping. I mean, we saw this in the beginning of the regular season as well, too. They beat the Clippers – in the beginning of the season as well. And a lot of the time, I don't know if this is just a fluke and they'll maybe just kind of fall off just because that's what happened in the regular season. They had that hot, hot start and then they kind of fell off. So, I mean, what do you think about them, Corey? Um, I gotta, I, I have to say, I, Devin Booker is my most surprising player. Um, And it's not to say that, I ever doubted this kid's talent. I ever doubted his ability. I mean, the kid went off for like, what was it, over like 70-something points points, at one time. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) my thing is, is he a guy that can lead your team to the most important thing when it comes to not only basketball, but sports in general, and that's winning. And I've always been like, okay, he puts up numbers, he puts up points, he, you know, he's he's he has that scoring ability, of uh that that rivals a James Harden and some of the best scorers in the NBA, but it's like okay, dude, like what uh, what else do you do besides score the basketball? Like, can you take your team and literally carry them over the hump? Can you push them? And I know I get it. It's 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 tough, but like he's the face of their team right now. He's the face of the Suns. When you think of the Phoenix Suns right now, you have to think of Devin Booker right away. And so I got to give respect to D-Book. I mean, he, he's pulling up and he's shooting it. And uh, <laughs> the clip that is just, is just going viral is this clip back in the offseason where he was like, yo, we're not, we not double teaming an open gym, bro. <laughs> but apparently double teaming an open gym is what uh, prepared you for hitting the game winner over Paul George. And how, and how ironic is it that in that video he was talking to Joakim Noah as well, too, and now Joakim Noah is on the Clippers. Right I just thought of that. That's, that's oh funny, ironic. Exactly. But um, exactly. I, I don't think you can put all the blame on Devin Booker. I mean, the guy really hasn't no, had a supporting no. cast around him. I mean, you could say DeAndre I mean, Ayton every- as a number one pick, but I still don't. DeAndre Ayton has been putting up numbers very – very quietly but I don't think if you're gonna ask that question you just asked is David Booker puts up the numbers but is he gonna help you to get over that hump I think you have to ask that question to DeAndre Ayton more than Devin Booker just because Mm. I don't think DeAndre Ayton is I mean he's still young so I'm not I'm still gonna give him time but he isn't I feel like he isn't helping Devin Booker as much as the Suns wanted him to for being a number one pick and for taking him over Luka so I mean So I mean that that's also a big weight on on the Suns' shoulders as well. But I don't know. I think I think with the role players they have now, with bringing in Ricky Rubio, bringing in Kelly Oubre and uh, Mikhail, especially Kelly Mikhael Oubre, Bridges. Especially do Kelly not Oubre. remember this name, Mikhail Bridges. Mm. Do not sleep on him. And I was still baffled, and I don't understand why the Sixers why the 76ers traded him. Traded him. I, I will never why? understand. Why I never understand that, especially the fact that he is from. Like he he was playing in college with Villanova. Not even that is just that is a perfect player for that system. It's the player they need right now. <laughs> it's 
player they need right now. But I mean, the Suns like, got anyway. him. But and that's the thing though. Like Phoenix has like so many guys who are like so young, and it's like I feel like if they just had like a star player to pair with Devin Booker, that that maybe would be the 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 thing that pushes them over the hump. Like if you had obviously like you know just even like a cj mccullum the parrot with devin booker or something like that like you know just some somebody who um or chris middleton and devin booker i feel like that 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 that's that's good enough to push for a playoff uh entry so i think but, i but think yeah, deandre Ayton could definitely be their guy but he just has to take that next step he got he has some time he has some time to develop as uh, obviously all right but yeah Let, let's talk about the next team we got the Sacramento Kings, who are two and a half games behind the eight seed right now. And I mean, I never really had faith in them coming into the bubble, and I still don't really. I mean, you did not have I, faith I, in them I at all. <laughs> I mean, I felt you said Kings, who? right? Kings, but I feel like they're kind of like the Jets, where in, in basketball, right, like they right, don't really have an identity right. to themselves yet. Like, Nah, but really I will don't. say, other than Kentucky, and I, will, I will say that I was very impressed with their game against the Pelicans, but that's not saying a lot because of the Pelicans, how <laughs> they've been playing so far. But I mean, they dropped 140 points with no overtime needed as well. And then Bogdan Bogdanovich mm-hmm. dropped career high in 35 Yo. points. He was hooping. But I mean, that's really that all I have to say about the crazy. Kings. I don't see them making the ninth or eighth seed. I feel like they're just, yeah, they're, they're kind of like, they're fun. They're fun. They're fun. They are fun. Um, I, I like De'Aaron Fox. I was just gonna I say like, that I'm a big uh, fan of De'Aaron Fox. Like, but it, I he just he just can't like I don't know. I just don't like you said. I don't think that they have enough. Like you know what I mean. Like I think with them, um, they just I think are lacking in the the experience department. I mean, I I feel like they maybe need like a couple more years to play with each other uh, as far as like their core group. Um, and then maybe they I just, could, I think, could start breaking through. Like the Suns are now, like you know, like we said, like they're just starting to break think, into that conversation. I think it's Luke Walton. I I never th- I never so? thought Luke Walton was a good coach. You're one already. <laughs> well, the thing is, I never thought Luke Walton was a good coach. I think he got lucky with that Warriors team, that hot start when Steve Kerr was out the first like yeah. quarter of the season or whatever it was, and then you, he went to the Lakers. Given he wasn't working a lot with the Lakers with what he had, I mean, he had LeBron, but. I mean, LeBron was injured for most of the time, but I mean, even now with the Kings, I just don't think he's the right head coach to have for the Kings. I don't disagree. Um, I think it's still, it's hard for me with the sample size that I've been given. It's hard for me to make that uh, like an absolute, uh, like, like, like agree, uh, uh, confirm it uh, 100% because like you said, judging him off of what he's done off his resume so far, like coaching the Warriors to undefeated run. I mean, yeah, okay, you were the head coach, but I mean, come on, KD, Steph. And like, That's what I'm saying. I think what he play, needs to like, do is something like Ty Lu did. Like he was a head coach for the, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, but I think you could also say he got lucky with Kyrie, with uh, Kevin Love, with LeBron, that team, and then now he's the assistant coach for the Clippers. So I think maybe – realizing that you know maybe you do still need some work because Luke Walton is still very young age is on his side as from a coach's perspective so maybe take an assistant coaching job from someone you know polish yourself and then maybe go out and try to get a head coaching job after that well I'll say this as far as like Luke Walton like I mean 
just, I'm just looking at what could have been Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr was so close to becoming the head coach for the New York Knicks and how different would he be viewed as a head coach? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, man, how different would people be talking about Steve Kerr had he taken that Knicks job? Cause it's not like Steve Kerr goes to the Knicks and that team becomes all of a sudden the next hottest team in the NBA. I mean, let's face it. I mean, you could also but, argue that Mark Jackson had the same team. Oh, absolutely. 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 And he kind of just you know took that team and they just went a little bit step further. But, but overall, I think that uh, it's all about the team that you go to. Now, I didn't feel like it was a good idea to pair the Kings who have been notorious with mediocrity and not really being in the postseason and haven't been in relevance since the, the years where they were battling out against the Lakers with Chris Webber and Mike Bibby uh, <laughs> to now, to now like struggling now, but uh, you know, let, let's move off the Kings and, you know, let's get, let's just quickly mention about, you know, the Pelicans current situation. I mean, Pelicans right now, man, it, it, it's not looking good. I mean, I had this team penciled in as an eighth seed, uh, and overall, I've been heavily disappointed. And it's hard for me to fully pinpoint who is to blame. I mean, some people are saying it's all on Alvin Gentry, and especially on the uh, the Pelicans coaching staff. It's like, why would you bring Zion? to the bubble if you're going to put them on a men's restriction it's like aren't you trying to make it into the postseason and getting into the postseason you would think would be a super heavy priority to this team that has a ton of young guys but uh, guys who I think need to like show and showcase their talents and prove themselves in the postseason even if they got knocked out uh, as an HC or got swept or whatever just to be able to showcase your talent in the playoffs have a playoff series under your belt if you're Brandon Ingram, especially if you're Lonzo Ball, especially if you're Josh Hart, especially, you know, all those different guys who came over in the trade from the Lakers. Well, um, I was going to say, especially Brandon Ingram, because he's going to be a free agent after yeah. this year. So it's like, if exactly. you even want to keep him, like show him that you're willing to win. Exactly. And but so I, I'm not I really think to the minutes restriction for Zion, that. I don't. It's smart. It's smart for like long term. No, but of course, it's not smart. Like from short I get term. that, but at the same time, I don't think it's fully in Alvin Gentry's hand because if you watch the Pelicans, no, game, it's not. It's ownership. But if you look, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you look at Zion playing, he looks gassed after four to five minutes of playing. So it's like if, if like does. you have to play him five minutes and sit him five minutes and play him five minutes and sit him five minutes. So that's eventually going to turn into what looks like a minutes restriction where he's only going to be playing like 20 to 22 minutes a game, which is like, all right, we drafted this guy number one to play that. But it's like we saw these pictures on social media of him looking super fit, super in shape, looking like he cut down. And then he comes on here and he's getting gassed after five minutes of running up and down the court, which I will say when he is in that five minutes, when he is there in the five minutes, offensively, the guy's a monster. Like no big can guard him. No wing player can guard him. No small guys can guard him. So it's like, he is a beast. So it's like, why don't you just get in shape and you can literally dominate this entire league? I think like, that's like, if I knew that I could do that and I would like, I don't know. It's just like I don't. Yeah, I don't, I feel I don't you. understand I feel you. I feel how like he doesn't get that in his head because it's like at the end of the day, it's on him to you know whether it's diet. It's on him to cut weight. Because well, let me well, let me let me present this to you, right? Um, you have a guy in Zion Williamson, and I, I've said I've, I've looked at this with the same thing with Ben Simmons. 
And I've noticed this uh, before he got to Houston with Austin Rivers. But you have these guys who are starlets and are on Baller's Life and are just, you know, all across social media, internet, everything, and become like super duper famous when they're in high school. Then they get to college and, you know, he goes to a, a school like Duke and tears it up there, lights it up there, um, and, and makes a name for himself in the NCAA tournament. Like, you know, all it, it, if you look at his entire, like, career, like, he's kind of not really had to evolve his game. He's just been the – he's always been – when he steps on the court, he's always been the most athletic guy. He's always been the most talented guy. He's always been – the most dominant guy on a basketball court in his lifetime. He hasn't kind of to come across uh, a different animal like the NBA. It's so it's different. And so I'll give him a bit of leeway in the fact of two years from now, if he's still playing the same way, then it's a problem. Then it's like, yo, dude, if you're still looking the same way, if you haven't evolved your game, if you haven't done anything, it's like, yo, but what it, are it's you it's doing? not. Was like so it's critical. not about his game. His game is there, and he can dominate. It's no, no, no. Like, I get you. Like his... it, it all factors into the same thing. I think of like weight and like getting in shape. That all factors into your work ethic, your mentality, your you know your game, evolving yourself as a player overall. That all goes into it. And if you're not willing to do that, whether it's adding a, a, a you know people say like you know he needs to be able to shoot like if it's solidifying that jumper if it's uh slimming down if it's uh making sure you're eating right making sure you're healthy making sure you're able to last 30 40 minutes in a game in an NBA regular season game or playoff game that's the difference between guys who are good players and guys who are great players and guys who are elite players you don't have to tell LeBron, hey, get in shape. You don't have to tell Anthony Davis, hey, make sure you're eating right. Hey, make sure that, you know, you're taking care of your body. You don't have to tell the elite players of the NBA to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They already do it and go above and beyond because they're competing to be the best that they can be. So I think that's just something that comes with inexperience and with youth. And like I said, I'm going to judge that two, three years from now if it's still a reoccurring theme. It's hard for me to still to, to judge him because people forget he is a rookie. I know, I know it's been a long season, but he is still a rookie. And that is one of the things that takes time for rookies to adapt to. And it takes time for, for NBA players to adapt to overall. So, I mean, you look at Ben Simmons and you look how long it's taken for him to just adapt a three-point shot. You look at Austin Rivers and how it's, you know, taken him so long to somewhat adjust his game. So, I mean, like, a lot of these guys come into the NBA and they think that it's going to be a certain way, but it's, it's, the, it's the details of it all. And it's the little things that separate, like I said, the good, the great, and the elite. Well, for me, I think – if he doesn't, which is a possibility, he's going to be going somewhere down the line of a Joel Embiid. Because if you look at Joel Embiid, when he first came into the league, the guy was – he kind of looked like Kevin Garnett, the way he was built. Tall, lanky, you know, great defensive player. And now he's four years into the league now, and the guy's, I think, 280. He's one of the heavier guys in the league, and that's – I don't know if that's because of his diet, but you're now seeing it with – 
Joel Embiid could be the best center in the league right now and arguably is, but he could even be better in a top, maybe five, top seven player in the league, but he just gets injured way too much. And that's just because of the weight he has on him. And a guy like Zion, who is four, five inches shorter than Joel Embiid and is almost the same weight as Joel Embiid. I mean, that's a scary sight if you're the Pelicans organization and you really need to, you know, motivate him to lose the weight and, and he could still be dominant as he was. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on to the Eastern Conference. We have the Bucks at the top of the NBA right now with the best record, but they're struggling big time right now. I mean, they beat the Celtics, but then they lost to the Rockets and they lost to the Nets. And then they also lost to the Heat, almost lost to the Heat without Jimmy Butler and without Goran Dragic. So, I mean, back to the Nets loss. They were the Nets were 18 and a half point underdogs and they pulled <laughs> off the biggest NBA upset in 27 years. Like, that is insane. Like, the Bucks defense has been very, very sus this uh this nba mm-hmm. restart mm-hmm. But, and that was one of the things i was concerned yeah about. and but i mean Giannis and middleton they've done their things with the role players need to help out and i think just the defense in general just it's bad yeah yeah i think that was one of the biggest things and biggest question marks was is that are they going to be as dominant as they were before uh the stoppage of play uh happened and I felt like the only way that they were going to maintain their dominance is if the defense was still up to snuff. And I think that we're seeing with these elite teams uh, outside of the team that we're going to talk about next, that it's taking them a little bit while for the supporting cast to kind of, you know, get uh, back into the flow of things. Cause I think that uh, the Dante DiVincenzo's of the world and, you know, uh, just like a lot more of the, the supporting cast for the Bucks, they just need to to kind of just find their rhythm and find their game. And once that happens, then all of a sudden it's back to fear the deer again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Bucks still have four more games to get together. Um, but let's talk about, I would say, the hottest team in the NBA right now, and that being and you would not be wrong. Being the the Toronto Raptors. I mean, the only other undefeated team along with the Suns. They beat the Lakers, they beat the Heat, they beat the Magic. And the craziest part for me is that the coaches voted for Billy Donovan and Mike Bootenholzer, and Nick Nurse was not voted as the coach of the year amongst the coaches that voted. So this isn't even the media, this is the coaches. And Billy Donovan and Bootenholzer won, but Nick Nurse was not in that conversation. I don't know how, it's beyond me, because he's my coach of the year. But it's it's crazy just because given that they lost Kawhi. And I said it in the beginning when we were talking about the schedule, I said, OG Ananobi is going to be the X factor for this team. And he has been showing up in a big way against the Lakers, against the Heat. He's been, he played great defense against LeBron all game long. And then, but you talk about their schedule coming up. They have Boston, Memphis, Milwaukee, Philly, and Denver. So it's not an easy run the rest of the way, but Raptors. If they could go undefeated for the rest of the way, Want to talk about scary sight? Come playoff oh, I know, time? I know the Milwaukee fans are like going to be scaring. You know, they would probably be the scariest team going into the playoffs if they could win out the rest of their uh, eight remaining games. I mean, the rest of their uh, remaining games on their schedule. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I actually would not be surprised if this team comes out of the East to the championship again. And I think that that speaks a lot of volume of 
Pascal Siakam and Nick Nurse as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, the coaching has been, like you said, very much underrated. But uh, overall, this just, I think, proves that the team was a dominant yeah. team and was a hell of a team around Kawhi. And I feel like Kawhi was that dude that pushed him over the hump. The thing is, is like when we get into the postseason, uh, with Kawhi not being there, can now Siakam take over that mantle and kind of like be able to get them over that same hump? Because it was no easy task getting past the Sixers and no easy task getting past Milwaukee. We all know, so we'll we see. all know how Kyle Lowry is in the playoffs as well too. He'll ball out in the regular season, but come playoff time, it's a very hit or miss for him. Exactly. So. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about the middle of the pack in the East. We got the Celtics, the Heat, the Pacers, and the 76ers all within four games of each other. Right now, the Celtics are sitting in third. I mean, they're beating the bad teams. I mean, minus Portland. But, I mean, they're losing to the good teams. They lost to the Bucks. They lost to Miami. They beat Portland, and they beat Brooklyn. So, I mean, this team is kind of on the the path that we we thought they would be on but and and they have a fairly easy schedule i would say i mean they have uh the grizzlies and then the warrior wizards and then the magic so very very easy schedule for them to finish off the the eight seeding games yeah i think that their uh their biggest thing is is uh outside of jason tatum it's gonna have to be you know i think i think they just need a little bit more balance as far as um, too many times I, I feel like you know Tatum kind of does he he I think he picks his spots pretty well and I think he does know like when to be a little bit selfish and when to to kind of like get his teammates involved I think uh you obviously I think want to see a little bit more out of Jalen Brown and um you know uh Hayward but I think I think this this team has the makeup of being able to go Toe to toe with the Raptors. Not so sure about the Bucks because you know Giannis. I think just might be a little bit too much for him. But uh, I want. I just want to see them, 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 kind of you know move forward and 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 just play a little bit more freely. Sometimes they they seem like they're 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 being a little too more too robotic. And I get that Brad Stevens is a great coach, but I think his biggest thing is. He needs to let guys kind of like breathe a little bit, you know what I mean? Let them just go out and just just do their thing. Yeah, uh, and then the fourth seed we have the Miami Heat, who are two and a half games behind the third seed. But I mean, when healthy, this team can do a lot, a lot of damage. I think they're kind of like the Thunder of the East, where they have that team chemistry and they have multiple multiple ways to beat you and then they also have that one guy who's that closer where in the thunder they have chris paul and in the heat they have jimmy butler but the guys surrounding those players are great and i think this is one of the best teams to match up against the milwaukee bucks uh bad Matabio is one of the best players you can have guarding uh Giannis Antetokounmpo and you saw that against the bucks in the first half they were stifling Giannis they would they would not let him breathe they were literally double teaming him Jay Crowder was doing a great job but in that second half they just started getting sloppy and turnovers and I think that's where Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic come into the picture because they were missing and they kind of slow the tempo down they kind of get their team under control so what are your thoughts on the heat 
No, I agree with you. I mean, the biggest thing that I kind of wish the Heat had was their home court advantage uh, because prior to COVID, they were one of the best teams when they played at home and they were just so tough to beat. But overall, I think, like you said, like they have like a really nice, solid core uh, of guys that go well alongside with Jimmy Butler. I also like Tyler Hero. You also mentioned Bam Adebayo, who I didn't think like, you know, him coming into the league, he would have such an impact. But man, has he really gone above my expectations? I mean, I've been very impressed with that young man and he's he's only going to get better. And I think once he gets a little bit more secure on the offensive end, he's going to be such, such a problem. Yeah, and then we got the Pacers in the fifth seed who are three and a half games behind the third seed. And all I got to say is my most surprising player is T.J. Warren, the guy guy. who the Suns traded to the Pacers for cash considerations. Absolutely insane. Well, cash considerations got traded for a guy who dropped 53 points in his first game (laughs) at the bubble. And then he dropped 34 in his second and then 32 in his third. And he's he led the team to a 3-0 start. But then, ironically, they lost to the Sun on, on Thursday. <laughs> so, is it fake cruel? Yeah. And this is with, without DeMontis Sabonis as well, too. So, I mean, the Pacers, they are one of those teams that are sneaky that can just, you know, they can give any team in the playoff a run for their money. Yeah, I think uh, they showed me even last year uh, that they were a tough cookie against the Celtics in the playoffs in that first round. And I think this year is going to be no – it's not going to be anything different. Whoever gets them is going to have a tough, tough, tough time being able to eliminate them because they are just that team that refuses to go away. Um, And TJ Warren, I mean, shout out to him. I did not expect him – to go out and ball out the way that he's been balling out. And he's, he's, he's leading <laughs> in scoring and uh, has just been playing out of his mind right now. And I think uh, it, it, it's hard for me to judge whether or not this will keep up, but if it does, holy cow, if it does, and maybe Indiana could be that, that's that surprising team in the postseason in the first round, maybe. Yeah, for sure. And then we got the 76ers, who I i mean, they never cease to disappoint me because this team, <laughs> I always have high hopes for them. They always disappoint me. Um, but, I mean, they had some really scary news with Ben Simmons, who subluxated his knee. And for those of you guys who don't know, it's basically not a full dislocation to his knee, but it's like a slight dislocation where it dislocates him, but then it pops right back in by itself. So he could be out for some significant time. There's no timetable yet, but I mean, boy, you talk about losing Ben Simmons. Like I I feel like you just write the Sixers off right then and there, but this also could tell whether if the Sixers do play well, then maybe Ben Simmons and Embiid, experiment might be over uh there's i believe uh when i think it was a stat they said like the sixers offensive rating is better when ben simmons is off the court which i think is i think for the casual fan would be like a surprise but for me it's not because he kind of stops ball movement when the ball gets in his hands because he he isn't that fully 
I don't want to say he's scared to shoot because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to just put that on him. But I think he's indecisive on whether he or not he wants to shoot the three. And when you have a guy like who's indecisive in being able to stretch the floor and be able to cause the defense to, you know, scramble around and uh, draw in space for your teammates, it just creates kind of a situation where you're pretty much playing five on four. So I think that the biggest thing now is, like you said, we're going to kind of see how this 76er team does without him on the court. And if they play better, that kind of puts an awkward situation for head coach Brett Brown because it's like, yeah, Brett, uh, Ben Simmons is one of my best players, but my team's playing better without him. So if he comes back, it's like, do I – put him back in the lineup do i put him on the bench and if you're ben simmons it's like yo what's going on here (laughs) i thought i was the face of this franchise now i'm being ostracized well the thing is for me and i've always said this is i don't think it's a whole ben simmons and b thing i think it's a brett brown thing i i just don't think he's the right coach for this team i don't know who would be the right coach for this team but i i just i feel like you've given brett brown enough time with this team and he hasn't really done anything with it. He even gave him pieces like Al Horford to mix into that, the guy who was the Embiid stopper. And now you aren't really utilizing the fact that no one's there to stop Embiid anymore. So if, if this season doesn't go as planned and they potentially get knocked out in the first or second round, I could see something like something that like, like Brett Brown getting fired for sure. Yeah, like I could see a situation like similar to the Toronto Raptors when they got eliminated by the Cavs, and it was barely days after they got eliminated, Dwayne Casey fired yeah. <laughs> as head coach. It's like they're not going to take too much time on that. It's like, yo, if we don't get to to at least the conference finals, goodbye. And maybe if they're bold enough, they might be like, yo, it's finals or bust. Like we got to get at least the NBA finals with Brett Brown. You are out of there. Yeah. Um, and then we got the seventh and the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. We have the Nets and the Magic. The Nets are up by half a game, so that's a close uh, little fight going on over there to see which team is going to be beat by Milwaukee and which team is going to be beat by <laughs> the Toronto Raptors. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, like, it was a potential scary situation uh, with Aaron Gordon. He almost got potentially Oh, yeah. Him. So, I'm, I'm just glad. I'm just glad. You, that, see, you like, see the little altercation that him and Kyle Lowry oh, have? Oh, yeah. Though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See Aaron, Aaron Gordon. So I, was, I was just glad. I was just glad that, you know, it wasn't any, like, type of serious right. injury. Because the way he had gone down, it looked like, yo, he might be done. So, and pretty much for the Nets, they're – Saving grace really is just Karis LeVert. I mean, Karis LeVert. Well, I mean, Karis LeVert, like, ever since, like, D'Lo was on the team, he's wanted way more shots. He wanted the keys to the team. Well, here you go, Karis LeVert. (laughs) Here's your team. Here's your key to the team. Do something with it. Because next year when Kyrie and Katie come around, you're not getting this opportunity again. (laughs) Yeah. So it'll be interesting, though, because, like, this, I think, is a big time for – KD, speaking of those two, they now get to see what their teammates get to look like when they have to go into the postseason without them. And we'll get to see maybe a contrast of that maybe with them 
maybe is next into going into next season. So it'll be a very crucial time, I think, for the Nets to kind of evaluate their current situation with their franchise without their two uh, uh, frontline stars. Yeah, and with the Nets, I remember they were doing a sideline uh, interview with Sean Marks and. Sean Marks was basically just looking to the future. Like he gave no confidence to this team that was out there. Like, <laughs> like they were just like, so what is it going to look like with KD and Kyrie and this team right now? <laughs> like, damn, like, like we, we're, we're here right, in the bubble right, right now. Right. And you would expect like a GM to be like, yeah, he, I mean, it's going to be interesting, but I mean, we still have a, a team here right now, but he's just like, no, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how all these guys mesh together next year. Like he's just <laughs> focusing on next year. But, um, I'm, I, I I mean, a lot of people are focusing on next year, right? right? But, I mean, I think the Bucks are hoping that the Magic get the eight seed because they don't want to scare by the Nets again. <laughs> and then with the Wizards, they're pretty much on the brink of elimination. I think if they lose one more game or if the Nets and Magic both win their next game, they, uh, they're they officially eliminated from postseason contention. I mean, the Wizards, they, they do got uh, saving grace in Mr. Bryant, though. I mean, Thomas Bryant. Thomas mm-hmm. Bryant has been been balling out, man. It's so bad for the the Wizards that they have officially dropped out under the Charlotte Hornets. And yes, I've seen that in the standings. Yeah. I was like, how is a team that's not even in the bubble now eclipse a team that's in the yeah. bubble? I'm like, that's dang. how bad it is for the for the Wizards. Yo, but I mean, I said it from the get go. I think we both didn't knowing that. John Wall wasn't going to be playing, and Bradley Beal was like, he could only do so much. I mean, I gave him like a one percent chance. I was like, you never. I don't even know know if I gave him a whole percent. (laughs) You you gave them less. You were like, yo, let's not even talk about this. Right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. We hope you guys enjoyed this Friday episode and a full NBA packed episode. Let us know how you guys are feeling about the NBA restart. You know, some teams that you think are going to be scaring other teams or teams that might surprise or disappoint others in the playoffs. Let us know on our social medias, the underscore nosebleeds on Twitter, the nosebleeds on Instagram, and the nosebleeds podcast on Facebook. Uh, That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, feel free to give us a five-star rating. And if you're feeling generous, write us a nice review. Helps us out a lot. Corey, any last words? The NBA has been very, 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 very fun. And I cannot wait to see what the upcoming weeks present to us because uh, we got a lot of different storylines, a lot of different things going on up and down as we clearly have shown you. So it's going to be fun in these last few games of uh, the, of seeding and determining who's going to be officially in the playoff situation. And then the playoffs right around the corner. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Yeah, we're going to blink and it's going to be next week and the playoffs are going to start and it's going to be real fun. Extremely. All right, but well, that's going to do it. We'll catch y'all later. Deuces. Deuces.